You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the G-Talk Show with G-Mama, Josh, and Tony. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. You know, it doesn't matter if you've got a Jeep, you want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps. This show is for you. Josh, Tammy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Jeeps. Well, Josh, are you ready for the big meal? Huh? What? No, 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 no time for that, Tony. I've got pies to make. I've got burks to brine. I've got lots and lots and lots of meal prep to do. There's vegetables to cut. I mean, I've, got, I've, got, I've got so much to do. Hey, I think Josh <laughs> might be a little distracted Harry's tonight, Tony. Soak. I've got, I've got. <laughs> I haven't even made the appetizers yet. God. Should we tell him what we have planned for turkey, this week's show, Turkey maybe? tent on the head, Josh. It'll really help you. <laughs> Some tinfoil, maybe. Where's my tinfoil? Uh, Tony, do you think maybe we should tell him what we have planned for this week's show? I don't know if I want to add any more to his list, but I'll add it to your list <laughs> on <Sounds> this episode. <laughs> uh, the, we're going to have Shauna Ayers from Nitro Gears. Uh, there's an old problem popping up in new Jeeps, and we've got another feel-good Jeep story to share for this week in Jeep. And Tammy, you finally find her manners and give thanks in Wrangler Talk. And it's all about the communications. We'll be getting into more DMR radio tech uh, in this episode. Nikki G calls in to share too much information. Well, that's not unusual. And, of course, much, much more. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is, of course, brought to you by Amazon.com. Amazon and the Jeep Talk Show have teamed up to bring you the one surefire way to get the best gifts for all those nice little Jeepers on your list. And... Avoid the mall crawl. It's easy. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and click on the Amazon icon that you see there on our site. That will take you to amazon.com, the world's biggest online mall. You can avoid the parking, avoid the hassle, and help out the Jeep Talk Show all at once. Become the holiday hero you were meant to be and click the Amazon button on our site before doing your holiday shopping this year. And thanks in advance. Well, there's a Jeep club out there doing some good things. Well, I know there's more than one, but this one gets the highlight this week. With Thanksgiving here, organizations around the nation have already been take, started taking donations for various Christmas-time charities. Brown County Toys for Kids is no exception. In fact, the Brown County, Texas chapter of Jeep Nation have already begun raising money and toys for needy children this year. We have volunteers that, use, that used to use the program, and now they've grown into volunteering for the program, and they are very appreciative, said Wanda Martin, who has founded the program in 1997, along with her now-deceased husband, Dennis Thacker. Martin considers Toys for Kids as her family's legacy. She and Dennis began the program in 1997, running it out of the old Walgreens location inside of the Heartland Mall, then moved it to a few different locations over the years until Martin purchased Grand Stars, which hosts various bingo nights and is Toys for Kids' official home. Since its founding more than 20-some-odd years ago, the annual event has become a tradition in Brown County, with more than 200 Jeepers coming out to assist each and every year. It's a wonderful cause. A lot of kids would not get Christmas if it wasn't for this, volunteer Karen Baker said. They wouldn't get anything, and there are a lot of them. More than you would think, volunteers say. When they first started, they didn't even have new toys. It was all used toys. Things are much different today, of course. When the program first started, volunteers would sort used and the occasional new toy into bags and pretty much guessed what children might have wanted based on their age. 
Well, in the 21 some odd years that it's been active, the program has become much more sophisticated. Parents now have the ability to make actual requests. Although officials ask parents to avoid high dollar items such as popular electronics, they say requests can be made. Toys for Kids officials said that the most popular requested items each year are bicycles. They said the bike requests must be made in advance and bike distribution is based on the lottery. Well, despite having more community support than ever before, program workers say the best donations are still cash because it allows the organization more flexibility when it comes to actually making bulk toy purchases or filling special requests for those who well, may be in special need or might have a short time left on this earth. We will take donations all the way to delivery day, they say. We'll never turn down a donation, whether it's toys or money. A lot of people have kids and they want to be able to show the giving season so they have their children pick out toys because they know what the kids want. It helps kids learn what the season is really all about, and that's giving. To make a donation or to find out more information or to volunteer or help them out on distribution day, contact Toys for Kids at 325-646-6822. I'm glad you mentioned the bicycles. You had a story last week about uh, a Jeeper group that was uh, getting bicycles together that they do year after mm-hmm. year. You yeah. know, a, a kid and a bicycle are very synonymous with one another. It's almost like an adult and a Jeep. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, death wobble is a uh, is a term that sounds mighty horrific to any of us, even if you don't really know what it is. But it is not known to actually have led to any actual deaths, despite the fact that some Jeepers will tell you that the shorts they were wearing when it happened to them will never see the light of day ever again. If ever asked, the people at FCA will reference the term steering system vibration when answering queries about it. But Let's face it, if you have ever experienced death wobble for yourself, you know the term vibration doesn't even begin to describe what is going on. But this affliction doesn't typically happen to vehicles off the showroom floor. But over the last several weeks, a handful of new Jeep owners have reported experiencing the dreaded Jeep death wobble to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or the NHTSA. The issue, which hasn't really been fully deemed a safety hazard yet, is a violent front-end vibration felt through the steering wheel. Its cause is sometimes hard to pin down, but is typically blamed on loose or worn steering parts uh, or parts in the steering system for the vehicles who have solid front axles. Hence why we see it more often on older, higher, higher mileage vehicles than, well, on brand new ones. The NHTSA in a recent press release stated that it is, quote, looking into the complaints. In the past, similar investigations resulted in the agency determining that the wobble did not pose a significant safety risk. Jeep has nevertheless addressed each one of these and the various steering system problems that have popped up over the years through several what are called technical service bulletins. These TSBs, as they are sometimes referred to, instruct mechanics on how to deal with a known issue that doesn't require an official recall. Whether or not this is just a case of an assembly line robot forgetting its torque settings or if this becomes a more serious issue, well, we'll be sure to let you know right here. In the meantime, it might be a good idea to use this as an excuse to do a thorough investigation and inspection of your own Jeep steering components. Look for any signs of wear or breakage. The death wobble can happen to any of us at any time, so it's always a good idea to well, check things uh, quite often, regularly, if even. I am so happy, knock on wood, that I haven't experienced it yet. But my other question is, who named it death wobble? Well, Tammy, if... Um, if you've ever experienced this very particular situation, or if you've ever seen a video of a Jeep experiencing death wobble, you're going to be thinking to yourself, how would a person live through this? Um, right. it, is, it is an extremely violent situation that happens. I mean, your steering wheel 
will be jerking back and forth 30 to 60 degrees or more in rotation as that front axle is jumping back and forth underneath the vehicle by as much as a foot in either direction. So uh, you can imagine the kinds of vibrations, I'm going to use that word here, uh, can be transmitted through the vehicle when that front axle is moving around that violently underneath the vehicle. Um, and hence why they call it death wobble. Things are wobbling all over the place and you think you're going to die. I, I personally like the term uh, or the acronym SSHVACG. Easy for you to say. Uh, that is, uh, thank you for asking. Steering system, harmonic vib- <laughs> vibrations, and anal cushion grabbing. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> right. Uh, we cannot forget the pucker factor. <laughs> so basically, double S H back G. Yeah, it just rolls right off the tongue. Right uh-huh. off the tongue. Just super easy. <laughs> uh, I remember the first time I had death wobble was after I had uh, lifted my 1983 full size Chevy, Chevy pickup. And uh, actually, it's kind of interesting because you know the the it's a leaf spring lift on mm-hmm. uh, on on the Chevy trucks that old the old trucks the old uh, I want to say box what are they square bodies and uh, <laughs> it was an interesting thing no internet in uh, 1983 so it was a complete and new surprising thing and you know what I just learned that if I slowed down a little bit it went away and it didn't come back very often and then I I kind of learned that like. Oh, it's doing it again. Slow down. Okay, go on. It was like around 35 miles an hour is where, where mm-hmm. mine would, would occur. And it, it is, Tammy, a very much a harmonic. It happens yep. at a specific speed. And it, 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 that speed can vary depending on uh, the, 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 the issue that you're having. And uh, you can either – I never had the courage to do it. You can either speed up or slow down. Oh, God. <laughs> can't imagine speeding up. I, I can't imagine. I, I had a bad problem as I was redoing my uh, my steering on, on my Jeep as I was going to a, a one-ton over-the-knuckle system. Uh, and there was a point in time where I had to get my Jeep from my house to about a mile down the road to a buddy's house for some serious fabrication work. He didn't want to uh, bring all the metal and welders and grinders and cutter, you know, everything else <laughs> over to my place. I wasn't set up for it at that time. Um, and so I drove my Jeep on surface streets without a track bar. Oh my God. Yeah. Now I'm not talking about one that was uh, only partially hooked up or had worn ends. I'm talking no track bar whatsoever. The track bar on a three or four link uh, suspension system uh, is basically the, the part of, this, of the steering and suspension system that keeps the axle centered underneath the vehicle. And, uh, and without that, well, you can imagine how easy it is for that axle to start moving back and forth underneath the rig. And, uh, and it's exactly at 35 miles per hour, not at 32, not at 33, 34, it's coming 35. There it is. And there's your death wobble and we need to slow down. You know, Uh, and and you have the nerve to give me shit about my electronics. And about uh, about <laughs> things catching on fire, this, and you're driving this was a, a Jeep. one time. This is and a you're driving a deal. Jeep without a track bar. How dare you, sir? How oh, it was dare one you? Time. It was for a very short distance, and and only for a. I thought for you a were going to say. I thought you were going to say it was for a good cause. <laughs> <laughs> and still to this day, I don't. Have, I don't have to bother with any track bar. You just got to drive it carefully. Is all. You just take the turns at three miles an hour. You're okay. Exactly. <laughs> Don't don't try this at home, kids. Do not try this at home. No, not at all. Well, hey, if you guys have a news tip or response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how to reach out to us. And coming up here a little bit later in the show, we have an interview with Shauna Ayers of Nitro Gears and justdifferentials.com. Universal. 
And now it's time for some Radio Com Tech. Alright, we're here again to talk a little bit more about DMR Radio, the ham radio, the digital mode on ham radio. One of the, uh, is I guess I could say the other white meat, since there's several different uh, digital modes on ham radio. Uh, but uh, I think DMR is probably the uh, the easiest, uh, well, I'm not going to say easy. It's it's probably the most popular one out there right now. And uh, we're going to be joined again with Josh Hoshnazi, uh, K-I-6-N-A-Z. I wanted to say N. I don't know why. I think it's from... Uh, back when I first started in ham radio, it was N's and K's and W's and seeing these, uh, well, actually there were K's, so I don't have any explanation. A couple K's, yeah. Yeah, they like a K5's and I just looked at those calls and thought, my God, I'd love to have that, uh, have a K call. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, I'm just a WB. So, <laughs> but now, <laughs> now if you're a WB, yep. it's like, wow, that's a really old call, you know? So anyway, I, I digress. I think we uh, get a little, little information here on how people can get started uh, on uh, DMR, the ham radio stuff. What do you think, Josh? Yeah. So, you know, we got to hit the, we got to hit the legal eagle type stuff first. Oh, out of the way. bomber, man. I know. Sorry. Um, <laughs> So ham radio is a, it's a service. It's a service that the kind of FCC allows us to have these privileges on these radio frequencies and these different um, band spaces. So you got to get licensed. Okay. That's the, the fact. You got to get licensed if you want to transmit. You can buy any of these radios and receive on them to your heart's content, but the real fun opens up when you get licensed. So to do that, it's a 35 question multiple choice test and you got to get 75% right. The good news is, is that you probably know most of this stuff already just from your um, knowing about CB and all that stuff. So it's not far off. Right. Um, I actually do a series of videos called Get Your Technician Amateur License. It's a part of my Ham Radio Crash Course series on Perfect. YouTube. That's great. And we have a Facebook group called the Ham Radio Crash Course, which will help you out. So easy to get started. Go there first. Understand what you're going to do. Now, DMR, we, we've, we've talked a lot about DMR, and we love DMR. The only downside that I could think I could say about DMR is that it can be a little tricky to get programmed, <laughs> program the radio up. And, I, and I, I'm, Yeah, it can be. So what I generally recommend is um, maybe for your first radio, start out with an analog handy talkie. Baofeng is one of the companies that um, China is importing a lot of these radios. The Baofeng's like $25 for a UV5R. Now, wait a second. It's, wait a second. Yes. When people think of ham radio, they don't think of $25 radios. I know. You said know. $25, right? Yeah, $25. All right, yeah. guys, you heard it. 25 bucks for a radio, and you can get it straight off at Amazon with uh, free shipping <laughs> yeah. if it's Prime. So that- uh, yeah. Yeah. So the actually it's it's not free shipping because it's not expensive enough. Right? <laughs> you almost got to get the thirty five dollars, I think. So you can program that radio from the keypad, or you can buy a USB cable. Um, I do recommend the more expensive one. It's plug and play with your computer. Believe it or not, that's twenty dollars. That's almost yeah. more than the radio. That's how they get um, you. But once you have that, then you can start playing with radio. You understand how it works, and then you start saying, okay, well, what's the next step? Then you can go after the DMR, and it's not that much of a cost upper. The one that I recommend is the Radioddity GD77, and that's $100, and that is free shipping on Amazon. And that's what lets you get into DMR. Now, it comes with a cable. You need to use their proprietary software. There's kind of no way around that. And there's videos, um, myself included. I've made videos on programming DMR radios. Um, I've made videos on programming Baofengs too, which are all available on YouTube. 
it's not that hard. Um, you just kind of have to know where to plug the, the computer into the radio and know what software to download. Now, I know from using the Baofeng, uh, you can just press a button on the front of the Baofeng, uh, get it over to VFO mode, and punch in the freque- frequency you want to listen on. It's, as long as it's simplex, it's it's very easy to do. Hell, you can even uh, plug in your local uh, weather uh, service station and hear what the uh, the alerts are. So yeah. it, it's a great little radio, and it works very well. I, I would say this, though, the uh, audio on the, the microphone is not great, uh, at least on the model that I had, and it was uh, largely due to the, the hole being too small. <laughs> but if you, if you want to be really careful with a drill, you can uh, make that a little bigger and increase the, the audio quality on it. But, but for a first radio, listen, uh, get on repeaters, listen to the repeaters. It is uh, absolutely wonderful. You stole my thunder. That was what I was going to say to do. You, actually, <laughs> the best way to do it is is take it apart. It's really easy to take apart, and who cares? Twenty five dollars, uh, and just you can use a soldering iron or you can use a drill, a Dremel, and just bore that hole out a little bit. And really, that's that's the audio quality right there. And and be, what we're saying is your transmit audio quality. Yes. The receive quality is fine. Yeah, you'll is. be able to hear perfectly. Um, yeah, and so the complexity on programming a Baofeng just like it is with DMR, which adds a little bit more complexity, is the repeater setup. That That's really where the complexity goes in. And we talked about repeaters the last time. It's like a big radio on a hilltop that's amplifying your signal, but it's got a split input and receive frequency. They're different. So that's the, the only part that you have to have any difficulty programming. Simplex is a breeze, though. Yeah, it is. Now, I'll just mention really quick before we wrap up here uh, on the repeater operation. If you're not familiar with repeater operation, the, you know, you've mentioned split frequency a couple of times here, and people go, what do you mean, split? Well, mm-hmm. one frequency is a receive frequency for the repeater, and one is a transmit. And if you've ever been close to somebody else while they're transmitting, it messes up your receiver. You can't hear anything else like if they're on the, a, an adjacent channel. So on the repeater, they basically have a very wide distance between the two frequencies, the transmit and receive. So if you want to be able to use the repeater, the radio that you're using has to do that same split. In other words, it has to have a different transmit and receive frequency. Actually, it's just the opposite of the repeater. So, uh, And there's some other things that go in, the magic that goes into allowing this to happen uh, uh, with a single antenna. They're called cavities, but we're not going to go into that. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> tune the cavities, which I thought was really cool when I found out about that long, a long yep. time ago. But anyway, uh, so repeater operation uh, that he's talking about is just really operating on two separate frequencies, uh, one transmit and one receive. So, uh, Josh, I thank you very much for this, uh, this series. And uh, you guys let us know if you'd like to learn more about DMR radio or, or just about ham radio in general, because Josh knows more than just uh, DMR. Uh, please uh, let us know. Make a call into our voicemail line. You can go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and uh, find out all the ways that you can uh, use to contact us. Let us know what you think about this series. If you want to hear more, uh, Josh, could we talk you into coming back and doing some more segments? Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is a lot of fun. You know what you guys really got to look at is APRS. That's the real important thing for being off-road. APRS is pretty cool. Uh, you know, I was a little disappointed uh, here in this area. Uh, <laughs> I set, I actually set up a, a Raspberry Pi with a touchscreen, and uh, I actually got a Baofeng and, and hooked it up, uh, and I couldn't hit any of the APRS uh, uh, repeaters, if you will, systems that, uh, that are, were here in the area. And it looked like I was going to have to install a 50-watt radio, an actual, you know, bonafide uh, 
uh, big time mobile radio just to participate on uh, APRS, and it varies across the country. Uh, what kind of antenna do you have? Well, the one I was actually trying it with the internal antenna, but whenever uh, I was having this issue, well, I'll, I'll get a quarter wave mag mount and stick it out on the outside of the uh, outside of the Jeep and see if that would work. And it still wouldn't work. Now, I know the quarter wave oh. mag mount isn't as great as having a, a mounted antenna, but I already got a bunch of antennas with my uh, HF uh, two meter radio that I've got going. So, um, mm-hmm. anyway. The that that's we can always talk about APRS down the road. Now, don't forget you can follow uh, Josh Hoshnazi on his YouTube channel, uh, YouTube.com/slash H O S. I mess that up every time. H O S H N A S I. And and you told me, but I never asked. How how did you get that nickname? Real quick. Uh yeah, I was I was in college, uh, nerd school for being a software engineer, and I uh, kept not getting my papers back and I didn't know what was going on. And, and one day the teacher's pointing at me and he keeps yelling, <laughs> Hosh Nossi, Hosh Nossi. And, and I'm like, is he talking to me? And, and then everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I'm, and I, I didn't put two and two together. Turns out he had been calling me Hosh Nossi for weeks. And I just was like, I don't know who he's talking to. And I go up and I collect like, you know, 20 different papers of assignments that I turned in and it stuck at that point. Everybody started calling me that in, in school. So. Well, of course. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's great. You said it's a little not PC, but that's kind of the origin there. <laughs> hey, you know, it wasn't you doing it. So <laughs> that's a great way to get a nickname. Uh, so that's great. Well, Josh, thank you so much. Or Hosh, thank you very much for being with us. And uh, hopefully we can get you back uh, very, very soon. Uh, looking forward to it. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. We'd like for you guys to check out the 4x4 Radio Network website the next time you're online. Just pop over to 4x4radionetwork.com. You'll see the Jeep Talk Show there, of course. But we've got something for, well, just about anybody who drives just about anything and is into the off-road lifestyle. Uh, be sure to tell anybody you know about the 4x4 podcast that is there. The Center Steer podcast is there. Trail Chasers podcast and even the On the Trail podcast. Regardless of what you're into or what you drive, well, we've got something for all the off-road buddies out there. Just head over to 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Shut up and listen. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut Man, up. Shut up, Shane. Hey. Shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler Talk. It's time for G-Mama. Well, Tony and Josh, you know, we're in the season of giving thanks. And there are so many things in my life I have to be thankful for. My family, my health, my job, my Jeep, you know, the normal list. And I'm sure you all have the same things on your list to be thankful for. But I thought tonight during Wrangler Talk, I would share with you my top five reasons I'm thankful for the Jeep Talk Show this year in 2018. First of all, I'm thankful for you, you listening out there. You know, I don't stay up late getting about four to five hours of sleep every Thursday night just to be tired at work on Fridays just to hang out with Tony and Josh. I do this because of, (laughs) I, no offense, guys. Um, (laughs) I do like hanging out with you, but I really, I do this because of you listening. I love the interactions I have with you, that we have with you. Um, So thank you for listening to the Jeep Talk Show, but more importantly, for interacting with me slash us on the Jeep Talk Show, 
is I look forward to see the interactions with you, the comments, the calls, and the support and the advice you give me. And there have been so many pats on my back, the Atta Girls, and lots of advice to help me on this journey. And I want to thank you all for all those times you've helped me and made me smile. And I know I don't always comment on some of the posts on our Jeep Talk Show Facebook, um, but understand I'm still learning and some of the things that um, get the pictures that get posted, I still don't understand what they are. Um, I have come a long way the past several years, but I still have a long ways to go. Like, for example, <laughs> I, still, I still don't get the whole raspberry pie thing. Um, maybe one day I'll understand it, but I mean, I still don't even know what it is, but anyway, another story for another day. Now, my second reason for being thankful for the Jeep talk show is Brian with route one six. We first officially met Brian when we interviewed him on the Jeep talk Colin show. And he is an awesome, amazing person, a great Jeep friend, and he has opened several doors for me. I didn't realize he had opened until I sat down these past couple of days to reflect on the podcast and to find something to talk about tonight. And I was lucky enough to meet Brian in person and spend a weekend wheeling with him. He's a genuine person and someone like you should, everybody should have someone like him in their life. And so Brian introduced me to my third reason um, I'm thankful for the Jeep Talk Show, and that's another Brian, and that is Brian with Carolina Trails Off-Road. Brian is another great Jeeper who we've interviewed on the Jeep Talk Call-In Show, and Brian and I struck up a friendship that I know is going to last a lifetime, and he invited me to come wheel with his Jeep group this past spring, which is the number four reason I am thankful for the Jeep Talk Show. Brian invited me to wheel at the 2018 Uari Spring Invasion. Brian and his family, his son and his wife, and his Jeep family welcomed me with open arms. They were all so friendly and made me feel so welcome to their group. And, you know, but what group of Jeepers wouldn't do that for you? But anyway, this group is an amazing bunch of Jeepers that I can call my friends. They helped me push my limits and my wheeling, and I wheeled the most difficult trails at Uwari. And Mitchell, I don't know if you're listening or not, but I want to thank you for your service to our country and thank you for being one of my top five spotters of all time. He got me through one of the most difficult obstacles I ever wheeled, and it was an amazing experience. Okay, so now on to my fifth reason I'm thankful for the Jeep Talk Show podcast. And this also ties into Brian with Route 1-6. And I'm kind of thinking he's like the Kevin Bacon of the Jeep Talk Show. Anyway, Brian introduced me to Brian, who invited me to the wheeling at Uwari, which led me to be able to meet and wheel with Nikki G. Now, I got to meet Nikki G in person, and he and his wife are really cool people, and I had a great time wheeling and hanging out with him. And I'm so thankful, Nikki G, for my I'd rather be red magnet that Nikki G stuck on my Jeep. And you know what? I love a great prank. I love getting pranked and pranking right back, and I can't wait to pay back Nikki G next year at the 2019 Uari Spring Invasion. I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to pay him back, 
But if you have any ideas, any suggestions, I'd love to hear them. So those are my top five reasons why I'm thankful for the Jeep Talk Show podcast. And Tony, thank you for reaching out to me all those years ago. And and Tony and Josh for inviting me to be on a host on the Jeep Talk Show. So uh, I was just telling my wife uh, the other day, uh, actually yesterday, that it's so cool to see uh, something gets posted up. I'll I'll post something, Jeep Talk Show group or the Jeep Talk Show page, and it will have uh, potentially something that has we've talked about on the show, some running uh, gag that we have or something. And then Mm -hmm. people just out of the blue, I mean, it's not even uh, that apparent. They'll come out of the blue and 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 ref- make references to the thing that you say when you go wheeling or <laughs> the red jeep, black jeep thing, and it's just right. it just amazes me that uh, we have people that listen to us and care enough about uh, what we have to say to uh, you know listen to it and then throw it back out you know a- as a joke, and it's just right. it's very heartwarming. It's wonderful, and and Tammy, I'm so glad to hear all these things uh, that you'd love about the Jeep Talk Show. And it's going to be me. Uh, I was going to announce some uh, some raises at the end of the show tonight uh, when oh. we were, were off the air, but obviously you're doing fine. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh wait, no, we're not. What? Oh, I take it all back. Doing just back. fine. Just fine. You're okay. I don't need to do anything to keep you around here. <laughs> uh, one thing I found really funny was I don't remember if it was on me sharing the ad that was in the magazine. Or oh, that's was right. on the Jeep Talk Show page. Yeah. But I forget who said it now. Darn it. But um, they said, um, made a comment about it looks like the F-bomb is, <laughs> She's is coming out of her mouth. I wonder if it's the F-bomb or are you sure that's coming out of her mouth? Because in case anybody doesn't know, um, we did a Jeep Talk Show ad for a magazine. And Tony... Remind me of the magazine again. I'm going to mix the words up. It was no, I don't blame you. I do the same thing. It's Jeep Action Magazine. Jeep Action and, Magazine. Uh, okay. Uh, that was uh, Ben that we uh, we interviewed at the the chief editor over there, and uh, he, he's been he was poking me saying, "Hey, where's the ad? Where's the ad?" I said, "I just thought we were getting one." He goes, "No, give me another one." So uh, I, I, I badgered Tammy to go out and take some pictures uh, in her Jeep, and uh, I said, "Hold the microphone while you have it, and uh, let's right. let's see how that looks." <laughs> And I was, you know, I was actually really nervous about doing the ad and actually Nate um, messaged, made a comment and I said, I was really nervous because, you know, I don't have both hands on the wheel and I have a microphone and yada, yada, yada. And he's like, it totally makes sense because it would look really stupid if I was sitting at my desk with a microphone and then it wouldn't really make sense if I was just driving around in my Jeep. So put them both together and there you go. But, um, yep, I drove all the way out to Arizona just to take that picture. <laughs> then thank you very much. Uh, I will get the check over to you for the fuel here uh, very shortly. Thank you. It'll be in the same check with the raise. Okay, good. I can't wait. <laughs> you guys will all get really great Christmas presents this year. <laughs> Coming up later in the show, we're going to hear from Nikki G. So you guys might remember last week, uh, Rodney called in, and uh, we only got about 30 seconds. He was talking about laser-guided uh, munitions, and, and all of a sudden, the line went dead. Well, yeah, Rodney called NSA back. the NSA got involved, didn't they, Tony? <laughs> I, seriously, it's, it was like black helicopters came down out of the sky. That, I mean, it was just conversation cut off, no more. Uh, and yeah, we, we put the call out to say, Rodney, you got to call back and let us know what's going on with that story. And, Are you okay? You know, that sort of thing. And 
Well, uh, Tony, did we hear back from him? We did, and uh, here we go. Oh, awesome. Hi, guys. This is Roddy with Deeper's Outpost. I'm calling you from a secure, non-disclosed location. Unfortunately, after the military and the government found out, I was trying to rat out their cruel and inhumane treatment of each. I've been forced into hiding. Anyway, to finish my story, my first duty station as a young private was Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Fort Sill was a home of the field artillery and also uh, various missile systems. One of the missile systems they tested was the Copperhead missile. Copperhead was a laser-guided missile. In an effort to test those uh, missiles, they had uh, a few of us privates drive their jeeps out onto the firing range. Uh, the jeeps back then were, if I'm not mistaken, they were AM general jeeps. We drove those jeeps out to the firing range. We were instructed to fill them with fuel, bust out any glass, or mirrors, anything that would reflect a laser beam. And then later they were destroyed by Copperhead missile. That is a cruel and inhumane treatment of jeeps that was forced to witness. I can't say that I didn't at times want to uh, sneak out to the range and load up one of those jeeps just drive it home. Anyway, guys, that's my story. Um, maybe get to, uh, get to another story next time. This is the police. Come out with your hands above your head. Okay. Oh, God, they, they found me. I, I've got to go. Oh, nicely done, Roddy. Taking one for the team. That's uh, that's that's how you do it right there. No, good stuff right there, man. Good stuff. Yeah, I, I always knew about some of those testing ranges and, and you know, testing out those hellfires and uh, and the copperheads and all the other stuff and, and just all sorts of munitions going off in some of these test ranges. I am flabbergasted to hear that they are blowing up Jeeps and not tanks, though. I mean, tanks are so much more fun to blow up. Come on, a Jeep, that's an easy target. Yeah, it was, especially for the... Uh uh, was it junk jeepers or not jeepers? Uh, junk. What oh, was it? Cash for clunkers. Cla- cash for yeah. <laughs> yeah Junks right. for jeeps is what I was trying to come up with, but no. that wasn't right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cash for clunkers did a, a really good job on the old jeeps. Well, speaking of good job, uh, Rodney did a good job of dodging the NSA and calling us back uh, to finish off the story. So I think Rodney is going to get himself. A, uh, well, he's going to get himself an envelope in the mail here pretty soon. And in that envelope is going to be at least one JTS sticker. Rodney, you've got some Jeep Talk Show stickers coming towards you. Yep, yep. We'll be in contact. Get your address so we can uh, send one of those over to you. Uh, Don't tell Nate that you received it because I'm holding his because he's been complaining a lot. <laughs> that, we'll get a call. Nate's going to give us a call. He's I'm a few behind, but I just yeah. heard. <laughs> I just heard that you're holding my sticker. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a review. Uh, it was actually a, a, a recommends. I don't know if you guys are aware of this or not, but if you haven't been over to the Jeep Talk Show Facebook page, you can give us a review or you can give us a recommendation. And mm-hmm. uh, John G gave us our one hundredth one zero zero. Uh, combination review uh, slash recommend recommendation. So uh, John G says, I've been doing a few things in my Jeep and listening to the show while in the garage. Hang on. I got to play a bell for that one. And at work and during the commute. So few things, uh, a few things can uh, consist of rebuilding the uh, a few things that he has done is can assist of rebuilding the 4.0, uh, the transmission, adding a, a SYE slip yoke eliminator and going through the Dana 30. I've done most of it myself. My daughter did lend a hand here and there, like torquing a uh, in a few piston connection rods. 
and uh, uh, and whatnot. I think it's really good that you show a child, uh, I don't know if she's a child or not, but show somebody how easy that is and, and how to do it. Because once you've done that and the engine runs, it's a wonderful feeling and it gives a, a person a lot of good confidence. So he, he goes on to say, I really like the part uh, where you were tech talking about the Dana 30. Thank you, to uh, Josh. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, I was, ho- I was hoping at least one person out there got some value out of that. Uh, good to hear we had one listener that did that and got some uh, some family time in there uh, to boot, so way cool. And uh, John G. actually sent us a couple few pictures as well of some of that work in progress that he has going on. And nicely done, John G. That, that The motor rebuild looks very nice. Very I, nice done. I don't know. What do you think about that yellow uh, valve cover? You know, I've always been a fan of the aluminum valve covers for the four liter. Um, I, I like that sort of, uh, you know, it's really got paint out. and it's got a little bit of, you know, chrome on there or, or polished, you know, a little bit of a of both paint and polished metal look. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of yellow myself. Uh, it's just a sort of a color that doesn't work for me. Uh, that and it, that's the color of the light that means I have to stop pretty soon. So I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably red. Red would be better for that, uh, for under the hood, wouldn't it? Yeah, Probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you tired of all that noise from those other shows? I think you have to keep that rig at the moment. Now you can relax to the pleasing tones of the Jeep Talk Show every week. Unless you got Dana 60s and 40s. Get the highest audio quality possible with each download. Now, you know, you can use them in with them, with them super swampers. And if you're tired of all that other stuff. Uh, and a thing with a tank of big old tires and a liar. Then subscribe to the highest quality podcast on the web. The Jeep Talk Show. Available on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, and more. You guys are getting to give me a beer. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. All right, kiddos. You know, Thanksgiving's coming up, and uh, we just love eating all that special food. You know, I don't know if you guys are listening to this on Thanksgiving Day, if uh, if you've already eaten or not, or, or maybe you're, you've got it really early anticipation of uh, uh, some things that we may be doing, and uh, you're listening before the eat, or, or hell, maybe you're sitting at the table and eating. Well, we got a special special guest tonight for you. It's one of those things that everybody eventually needs, uh, some just really, really want uh, for their Jeep. It's about gears. So Shauna Ayers, uh, you know, she lives in Washington State, only hugs trees with a tree saver. She does marketing for Nitro Gear and Axle. Uh, She's a walking contradiction in her own words. She loves Jeeps, guns, but is vegan. And you can find Shauna and all their great products at NitroGear.com. Shauna, thanks a lot for being with us tonight. Hi, thanks for having me. So I know you guys do more than gears over there, uh, but we, we got to talk about that first because that's the name. So uh, how did you guys get into doing the gears? You, we, we know everybody needs some, even if they don't know they need them uh, at first. Uh, that is a, a great thing that I love to hear people finally talking about is gears. So I'm glad to talk about that. Um, my husband, who is the owner of the company, started this business approximately 13 years ago. Um, At the beginning, he was just a parts retailer um, and then saw a need in the market for a better quality ring and pinion. And his history is he actually comes from one of our major competitors, uh, one of the big players in the gear market. And that was where he worked before, before he decided that there was a better way he could do things. So approximately, I want to say 10 years ago, 
the Nitro Gear and Axle brand was created. And it took off from there with just a few small products. But basically, when they went into creating gears, they wanted to create a better quality than what was on the currently on the market. And they also wanted to create ratios that nobody else would make, like specifically Toyota gears and things like um, your Grand Cherokee WKs. Well, we love hearing that, man. And that's a, it's, that is an important thing. You guys deal with gears, and they're not specifically Jeep gears. They're all kinds of different vehicles. What different vehicles do you guys support, just, just to give the, the folks an idea? I could honestly give you a shorter list of vehicles that we don't offer. That sounds good. Uh, of course, Ford. <laughs> but, uh, well, Chevrolet, uh, Ford, uh, Dodge, uh, the Dodge Ram pickups. I'm thinking about uh, tow rigs, you know, because so, sometimes you need, to do, you need to do the gears on your tow rigs as well. You always need to do gears on a tow rig. Uh, we always say around here that if it's rear wheel drive or four wheel drive, we make parts for it. I recently uh, was at a car show and realized that the Toyota differential that's in the BRZ FRS sports car is similar to an axle setup that's in their other brand vehicles. So we actually make a traction device for those cars. So everything from a huge Jeep or a dually down to a tiny FRS. My son wants an FRS. They're cute cars. <laughs> yeah. Um, I how so? How did you? I mean, did you get into Jeeps and all this because of your husband, or were you? Was this something that you guys did together, or how did that come about? I'm about to break the internet with this story <laughs> um, uh, because it's a good one. Uh, actually, I am from Florida. And in Florida, uh, you always want a convertible, and I, I wanted one, and I wanted to also be able to go off-roading because I'm from the part of Florida that is still very country. It's basically lower Alabama, essentially. So um, I looked into buying a Jeep, and this was two and a half years before I met my husband, and I had this Jeep, and I was in the Jeep club scene, and I really just like loved it, and I went to a show one day, um, actually jeep and beach jam in panama city and i met two guys there that worked for nitro gear and axle and i walk up to them with one of my buddies from my jeep club and i said hey man um i need you to tell my friend about gears because he has a 3.8 on 35s running a 321 gear ratio and that's <laughs> insane and i'm pretty sure he needs a set of gears and two master install kits and doesn't he need a carrier too because isn't there a carrier brake and the sales guy looked at me and said, who are you? <laughs> uh. Uh, that guy actually called his boss and he said, I met this girl at the show and she is really, really smart and knows a lot about Jeeps. And she's like smoking hot, dude. I think you should hire her to come work our booth at um, Unlimited Off-Road Expo. And so my now husband was like, well, who is it? So he tells him and he looks me up online. He's like, yeah, let's hire her to come out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's funny. We have pretty much been together every, ever since then. Um, we met like never, you know, never met each other, just hired me to work for him. And then it's something about a girl that knows about gears made his gears turn. And two years later, here we are. We just had our second anniversary. We actually got married at SEMA. Oh, that's an awesome story. Yeah, they call us the motorsports love story. <laughs> 
So was he dressed as Elvis? Because, you know, SEMA is in Las Vegas, folks. So, you know, that, that, that means the Elvis wedding. Uh-huh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> we had a regular wedding this time, but I think next go-around, maybe for the anniversary, we'll get Elvis. Or maybe Star Wars. Star Wars would be cool. So, so how did you know about gears how did you i mean get so smart as they said i learned the worst way possible honestly tammy um i learned from forums and facebook and but i did have a lot of help from a local jeep club too with a lot of guys that were willing to really break it down for me but i think that us as women we have really good knowledge retention so if we want to learn it we will right so more importantly, did the guy with the 321 gears, did he ever upgrade? He he got 488s, which is perfect for a 3.8 on 35s. <laughs> Excellent. Does does he still uh, check you out on Facebook uh, anonymously and, uh, you know, wonder what happened to you? Oh, I think we're probably still friends on Facebook. I have a lot of friends on Facebook that are from the team. <laughs> so he knows what I'm up to. I'm sorry. Did you say this was a boyfriend or just a friend you were with? No, dear God, no. Just a friend. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I thought he might no, have been creeping on you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, now you guys do have uh, Jeeps there. Uh, I mean, you do do, uh, do gears and other products for Jeeps, uh, which is our main focus on this show. But do you personally have a Jeep? Only three. <laughs> Only. I wish. Only. So, I have three really cool builds. Um, I have my 2007 Jeep JK. Um, it's Tiffany blue Kevlar line paint with a 6.2 LS three. Uh, axles are a Curry nine inch in the rear with a nitro housing and nitro pro gears. And then for front axle, I'm running a Terra 44 that we converted to eight lug and uh, 35 spline chromoly shafts, you know, everything, all the goodies. Uh, I'm running a 488 gear ratio in that one right now. And then we also have a, our next upcoming project, which is our Jeep Grand Wagoneer. It's an 88. And we took it up to Rubicon Trail this year and then decided it needed a whole lot more power. So it is undergoing an LS swap right now and some axle swap and... It's getting a whole new interior and a few other things that I'm going to leave out because I'm hoping people will come see it at Easter Jeep Safari where we're hoping to unveil it. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then we also have a buggy that <laughs> coincidentally was voted best Jeep at SEMA the year it was there um, by a couple you know, publications. And uh, the embarrassing thing is, it's not even a Jeep. It's a, a buggy <laughs> with a Jeep-inspired grill on the front. Oh, okay. Well, that that's the mistake. So that was uh, uh, that they were they were just fishing there. They wanted you to notice them. Is what it was. I feel like um, that makes it Jeep enough, right? Sure. It, it costs a lot of money, and it's always has something wrong with it. <laughs> Well, Tony, one thing I'm noticing is she knows a lot about the numbers that are just going <laughs> right over my head. I was just going to mention that. Tammy hates yeah. the numbers. It's, it's the details. Uh, you know, she just doesn't yeah. like all the detail numbers. Josh and I will start talking about various uh, transfer cases. You can just see her eyes roll in the back of her head on Skype. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand that. I really do because it is a lot to have thrown at you for the novice. Like, 
you guys are obviously not novice, but a lot of the people that I talk to that approach me that ask me about gears, especially girls, um, feel like if they ask the guys around them, they get mansplained to. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, they get or, manhandled. They, they're sore afterwards. Yeah, I, I get it. Or they're scared to ask. Sure. So, Tammy, that's one thing that girls like you and I get to bring to this community is that we know how to speak to the female off-roader to where she's not afraid to ask questions and she is allowed to learn and grow like I was able to do. And if we don't keep supporting those girls, um, no one else is going to and they're going to fall out of the industry and we don't want that. Right, exactly. And it, it does take a while to understand, you know, you're you're saying all these numbers and you, you got to really break it down in your head. Okay, this number is for this, for gears. This number, you're talking about an engine. This number is, and just, and it's hard to take everything in at once. So for me, it's like I slowly learn about one thing at a time. And then once you got that down, then you can move on to the next thing. And I think that's why it's so important to to search for your own Jeep parts, to do your own, not necessarily do your own build, but help do your own build. And you can Absolutely. get under there and look and you can see how all this stuff works. And if you can visually see it and you can touch it, it makes for a better understanding than just talking about it with someone. Tammy, you're so right. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people... If they just got down there and got hands-on, um, they would learn a lot more. Actually learned about differentials for the first time because a friend of mine in myself ripped my whole front end apart in my driveway uh, trying to replace an inner axle seal. We had no special tools, no differential knowledge, and things could have gone bad very mm -hmm. fast. Um, <laughs> but luckily we escaped it. But, I mean, if it weren't for friends like that and help from the helpful people on the internet, um, like you guys, right. then what would girls out there be doing? So let me throw a, a question at you that I know there's some, some guys out there, or maybe even some ladies that uh, want to re-gear and they're not quite sure what they should do. Um, they have a, uh, like I said, they have a Cherokee, an XJ, and they've got a, uh, a low pinion uh, Dana 30 on the front and a Dana 35 in back. Uh, they're going to go with 37s. What's the best gears to go with? Uh, that's a lot of tire for that, those axles. <laughs> and, uh, that, and that's the trick question. <laughs> that's a lot. Um, so, so I, I'm assuming that if somebody does call you up with any Dana 35, no matter what they've got for, for a front differential, um, if they want to go with gears on a on Dana 35, I'm sure you'll sell it to them. But do you, do you try to talk them down? Do you try to talk them out of the, the polishing that turd? Uh, so the, here's a cool fact. Um, Dana 30 Dana 30s are not the best, okay, but they can they can survive the average person. Mm -hmm. But I what I would say is that it's more important to build the axles you have than to try to replace the axles you don't have. So in an XJ situation, I understand swapping axles under them because you didn't pay a lot for the vehicle usually and the parts are a little cheaper. But I get a lot of girls that come to me in JKs and think that they have to put one tons under their Jeep to run 37s, and that just isn't <laughs> oh my true. God. Yeah, no. Uh, but I'm not that familiar with the JKs because I'm an XJ guy, and uh, the TJs, yes, because they're basically the same thing as the uh, as the XJs. But uh, the 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 not the Rubicon uh, JKs. What? But the the standard everyday uh, JKs. What do they come with? They come with the Dana 30 in front, right? 
They yeah. do. So a Sport Sahara, both come with Dana 30s in the front and 44s in the rear. And the Sport comes with a 321 gear ratio, typically. And the Sahara comes with a 373, typically. And the Rubicon comes with a 410, but also with the addition of the Dana 44 up front as well as the rear and e-lockers. So is that a true Dana 44? It's not one of the aluminum housing Dana 44s like they used to use on the uh, the Grand Cherokees, is it? Oh, God, no. Um, it's a true Dana 44, and it's actually superior to the Dana 44s that have come before it, just based on geometry and the knuckles and just the the ring. We have a thick-cut ring gear for them. Wow, that's really so, nice. They did it really nice. I'm surprised. I wish they hadn't have screwed the Cherokees uh, that, that, <laughs> that badly. Now, uh, now the Chrysler 8.25s, I've heard, that are uh, very similar in strength to the Dana 44. Is that something that you guys uh, have experienced, or is that incorrect? I would say that that's about on par with, if you're comparing an XJ with a Dana 44 and, a, and an XJ with a Chrysler 8 and a quarter, even though I think that a lot of people actually prefer the, the Chrysler um, it just depends on the jeeper, I suppose. But well, it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> I I wouldn't say swapping a forty four under there is going to give you a whole lot more strength. Right, uh, but that you but you said something interesting there that makes me wonder. This is the the the, the forty four that's used in the JKs. Is it superior to the uh, the forty four that you could get in an XJ? Uh, yeah, substantially better. I mean, oh, it's a all, all around a beefier housing. Interesting. I did not know that. That's uh, very interesting. So anyway, getting back to the Dana 35, would you guys, uh, what do you, how do you guys handle the Dana 35? Do you just sell it to them and, uh, and let them come crying later or hope for the best? Uh, a Dana 30, I mean, we sell gears for the Dana 35. I mean, we sell a lot of gears for Dana 35 and for the average off-roader, I think that it's fine for them. The guys that I wheeled with down in Florida who've never seen a rock any bigger than the size of their fist. It's going to be fine. Um, If you're telling me that you're going to go run the Rubicon Trail on, you know, 40-inch tires (laughs) and you have an LS motor in your, I'm going to tell you you're crazy. Yeah. Yeah, spend a little money on axles at at that point. Or, and then there's a lot of stuff you can do to a Dana 35 to beef it up, but it's probably at some point a lot cheaper just to go with a lot better axle. I would, I would say so. For your expert, if I was giving... Advice to the typical XJ uh, owner that listens to this show, I would definitely say, yes, you can kind of polish a turd and build them up. But if for the same amount of money, if you can get some kind of larger housing, I would highly recommend that. But another thing I always love to point out is that axles are a lot like people and it's what's on the inside that matters far more than the outside. So absolutely. When I, when I built my JK, people said, why didn't you put it on one tons? Because it was on Dana 44s for two years. Why didn't you do one tons? Why didn't you do one tons? Well, most people don't even know that there isn't really much difference between a, you know, a standard Dana 60 housing and a Dana 44 housing. Um, tube wall thickness on a lot of them is the same. And lots of other, you know, you're getting a bigger ring gear with a 60, but. And, and they, less clearance. Exactly. And so they would they would give me a hard time about not having them. But my Dana 44s were built to the hilt. Cro- Nitro chromoly axle shafts, Excalibur chromoly U-joints, uh, you know, 488 years or, or at a time before I did my LS, I was actually in a 513 gear ratio. And 
blocking hubs and all these things that you can do to build up a Dana 44, I didn't need 60s. Right. Plus, you What's get a, a lot more ground clearance that way, too. So that makes it really nice. Mm-hmm. Now, when, you say, uh, when you say LS, what's LS? Lickety well, split. LS- it's lickety split, Tammy. <laughs> it is yeah. lickety split. That is a fact. Um, an LS motor is a Chevrolet-based motor. And they uh-huh. use that terminology to describe lots of different motors. So you can have an LS1, an LS2, an LS3. Um, an L99 is an LS. So... Uh, those are all just a bunch of ways to describe a Chevrolet motor, a very popular Chevrolet motor. And so an LS is the type of motor. And then the 6.2 is the amount of liters that that motor holds. Okay. It, it was, uh, I, correct me on this if, uh, if I'm wrong about this, but I think that it was popularized in the Corvette. Uh, I forget what year it came out in, but the it was known as the Corvette engine. And then it started going into uh, trucks and other things that I think that the, the, uh, Actually, the LS for the uh, Corvette was all aluminum, all aluminum block, aluminum heads. Uh, I'm sure it was sleeved, metal sleeves, but uh, it was light and very powerful. It was a complete redesign of a small block Chevrolet. Small block Chevrolets were very popular back in the late 60s and uh, even into the 70s. Uh, and then uh, Chevrolet just re-engineered this thing, and it's it's an amazing engine and, and actually very fuel efficient for the amount of power it puts out. I mean, mine isn't, but I suppose a lot of them are. <laughs> <laughs> well, it all has to do with your little foot, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I think it might have something to do with that. Uh, <laughs> mine is a 6.2 LS3, which is one of the later models, um, you know, of, of the LS progression. But uh, it has been cammed, and it's all aluminum block as well. And Oh, so you have you actually have one of the, the LS1s. I think you did say LS1. LS3. Okay. Yeah. But it is, um, it's been a, it's changed the Jeep quite a bit. I bet. I, I would say that on stock, you know, well, not stock, but fully built Nitro Dana 44s that I could rock everything anywhere I wanted to. When I dropped the LS motor in, I quickly realized that I was putting a lot of power through those differentials and it was time to upgrade. Sorry, I'm shopping again because I know I'm going to have to. This is why we I don't know. like Tammy knowing where, to, where the know. sites are. I should black that out for her. She goes and, it, goes and shops during the interviews. Uh, yeah. No, Tana. I'm just looking around because eventually I'm going to have to um, upgrade my axles and the U-joints and, and all well, that well, stuff. No, you have Dana 44s, so you actually, well, you say upgrade them. You just mean uh, add parts to them. Um, right. So, yeah, that that's fine. I, I thought like you were to, saying that you'd have to replace them. I wouldn't replace those No, things. no. Because um, uh, what did you guys call them? Sleeves or the... Something axle shafts. Thank you. Yeah, because those are going to start to weaken. I am told. Sleeves, sleeves are a thing too, so you weren't wrong the first time either. It, it wouldn't uh, hurt to have sleeves and shafts. Strengthen the uh, the tubes so they don't bend, right? And also to the axle, so they do. Actually, you put the chrome mollies in there so they do uh, bend. Actually, twist. And don't break. So it's it's kind of a cool technology. It's scary as hell to me when I found out how, how that worked. But, you know, as long as it doesn't break, I guess that's a good thing. I mean, you can break them. I've seen people do it. <laughs> oh, no, certainly. You can break anything. Uh, and, and actually, with all that stuff that you had done uh, to your axle, I was just going to ask you, uh, where did the weak point move to? That is a hot, bo- hot button topic these days <laughs> because... <laughs> It really is. We have um, we talk about this every day. Um, old school Jeepers will tell you, 
I like to keep weak U-joints in my axle shafts because that's a fuse. Yeah, I've heard um, that. Because that's a what? That's a what? It's a fuse. It's easy to change oh. and they're cheap. Oh, it's okay. a breaking point that they can see and fix easily. So my argument to these old school Jeepers is always this. Yes, I understand that. And I have been that Jeeper myself. However, you can try to climb this hill and you're going to break and have to come down and spend the rest of the day on the ground because you broke and you don't have the parts to fix it till you get back to camp or whatever with your standard, you know, cheap U-joint. Or you can put a nitro chromoly Excalibur U-joint in there and you'll crawl that obstacle and nothing will break. So it's, do you want a fuse? Yes, no, that's up to you. But really, it, do you want to make the obstacle or not is the question. <laughs> can, you, can you see why she's in marketing, how she slid that little nitro U-joint thing yeah, in there? That was yeah. perfect. I love that. That's, that's what I try to do here. <laughs> now, uh, another question is, for me, for example, do I wait till stuff breaks and then replace it? or? No. No. Or do I just not unless you want to not unless you want to do it on the trail, right? I'm sorry, I'll, I'll let the guest answer. <laughs> no, because like, like my to learn, but I get what you're saying. Um, honestly, I'm gonna probably go against what other people who are, are marketing would say. I'm one of those let's wheel it till we break it, then change it, right? Because then you kind of learn what you mm -hmm. know, and so just going in there, just make this really beefy for me or you know um because i i actually my front drive shaft was starting to go and he's like you know you can really you know still use the stock one for a while but eventually but he went in and showed me where it was leaking and explained it all um so it was kind of breaking and now i've learned about that part and so you know, just going in and replacing everything, I'm not going to really know what's going to do what to what part. So it's it's just like, do you fix it now before it breaks or do you just wait till it breaks? My, I'm a wait till it breaks kind of person personally. I, uh, I don't see any point in ripping out. Um, you know, people are like, oh, well, I'm going to take my Dana 30 out and put a Dana 44 in. Well, sure, that's great, even though they're basically the same housing. Um but then I'm like, okay, but then what about all these parts you just threw out and you didn't need to upgrade yet? And you might not have even ever needed to change the housing. Instead of right. throwing out your housing, you know, you can sleeve it, truss it, gusset it, build it up and make it great. Um, so I'm a, I'm a wheel it, break it, then, okay, what broke? Why did it break? And let's get it fixed. So let me make sure that uh, we're clear on this. As far as breaking it uh, and then upgrading it, you have a trailer to get your Jeep back home, I'm assuming. <laughs> I, I am fortunate enough that I do have a trailer. Um, however, this year after Moab, my husband had to go back to Washington. I was going to Florida. So I drove, I wheeled my Jeep hard all week in Moab during Easter Jeep Safari and then drove it from Utah to Florida. Yeah, see, I love that. Because uh, I, don't, I don't have a trailer either. And what you're saying is great advice unless you don't have any way to get back home. And that and that's the situation I'm in, and that's the situation Tammy is in, and that's what, a situation that I think a lot of the Jeepers out there, especially the new ones, are in. They don't have a way to get that, back, uh, get that rig back home if they break it. So that's why I kind of go the other direction, and, and what can I do to this? Uh, I need to be careful. Uh, what's that I always see, the meme uh, on uh, Facebook and stuff? Uh, 
uh, remember, you got to drive this home, stupid. So, yeah. <laughs> so that so, you know, yeah. if you're careful, you can you can get away with a lot. But uh, I have a tendency. I mean, I don't have 44s on mine, but uh, I've done things to it to try to improve uh, its survivability. Right. I mean, I see what you're saying there, and I agree with you. A lot of people don't have a backup transportation. They're wheeling their daily driver. Mm-hmm. And so I get trying to do preventative maintenance. When I say wheel something till it breaks, I don't mean like, uh, oh, I know my ring and pinion is bad, but I'm going to go out and wheel anyways. I mean more like <laughs> wheel it, and then when your drive shaft starts to wobble and you feel a shimmy, don't ignore it. Then replace go. it. I like but, that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't want to see anybody like break hard on the trail. I've been there one year. I mean, actually, two of the years I've done the Rubicon Trail, it's taken me over eight hours. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. that's. But it was a lot of fun. I'm sure the the scenery <laughs> is wonderful out there, even when you're broken down. So, so much fun. So, uh, Shauna, you know how the kids love the social media. Where can people uh, uh, find more about you? And, and go ahead and mention that that uh, that site, uh, the Instagram site that you were talking about. I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> uh, so, of course, you can always find the company that I work for at Nitro Gear and Axle on Facebook. Uh, my personal Instagram is Jeeps Tits and Glocks uh, underscore between each word. I'm kind of a big deal on the gram. (laughs) (laughs) The gram. I like that. Uh, That's great. So, uh, yeah, that was the other thing we were talking before the uh, before the interview. And I mentioned the the the, the first one, of course, and then the the Jeep. And I forgot about the Glocks. Do you get any 911 haters uh, that uh, that tell you the 45s are are a lot better Uh than those those stinky Glocks? Only all of them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love my Glocks. (laughs) Workgun's made of plastic too. You know, I just thought of this. The Glock is a lot like a Jeep. It works and works and works, but it doesn't look pretty. It's just like a Jeep. And I'd rather have a gun that works than one that looks pretty. You know, I've always told the guys that want to um, maybe shut down my Glock obsession. I'm like, I can rack the slide of that Glock, throw it in the mud, run it over with yeah. the Jeep, pick it up, and it will fire. Damn Germans. Now, now i got to ask you this real quick. 9 mil or 40 cal? What, what's what's better? Uh, what's better for me is 9 millimeter, but because of my frame, I definitely think 40 is great for a man. Yeah, I do like the, the stopping power over 40. All right, Shonda, thanks a lot for being with us tonight. And uh, don't forget, guys, you can find out more uh, by going to nitro-gear.com. Did I say that right? You did. That's excellent. Excellent. So this... Uh, www.nitro-gear little minus sign uh, dot com. Go over there and check it out and buy something. Oh, and you said that you had uh, some uh, a Black Friday or, uh, sale or something going on. Oh my goodness, I totally forgot. Yes, too. now that it's officially Black Friday, where you're doing 15% off all Nitro products. And that's oh, wow. unheard of. We've actually never done that much before. So that means entire gear packages, entire axle shaft kits, 15% off. Well, you're going to need to do uh, do commercials and be crazy, Shauna. I'm crazy, Shauna, and we're we're <laughs> throwing gears out the out the door here because we're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. No gears can stay. Yeah. Well, Shauna, thank you very much, and uh, thanks for that, uh, that information. Now, it, do, do people just go to the site and to get the 15% on Black Friday, or is there some sort of code or something you have to do? We're making it simple, y'all. No code needed. Just go to the site. Everything 15% off. That's a nitro branded product. Is that only on uh, Black Friday? It is 
Right. It's actually uh, Wednesday at midnight until Sunday. So November 21st at midnight, or is that, uh, yeah, November 21st at midnight through Sunday, correct? Correct. Excellent. Thank you so much for being with us. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Big thanks again to Shauna Ayers for taking the time to talk about Nitro Gears, just, just differentials.com, and of course the awesome Nitro Wagoneer they have going on and the JKU build they have going on. Can't wait to see both those when, once they're done and finished and uh, hopefully have, uh, well, at least Shauna back on uh, once that Wagoneer build is done. Uh, and of course, hey, I know you guys out there know somebody who would might be a good guest here on the show. Maybe you or somebody you know works in the off-road industry. Uh, maybe you yourself would like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. You know what we say. Everybody's got a Jeep story to tell, and, well, we want to hear yours. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and uh, share your idea for our next great guest. We have a form there you can fill out, and, uh, well, the information will come to us, and, well, we'll try and get that person on the air. Oh, and don't forget, uh, the uh, Nitro uh, Gear 15% off Black Friday giveaway Starting uh, this Wednesday, uh, so we're actually, we're, you're here in the show on Thursday, so it was uh, it's actually going on now. So get over there to nitro-gear.com and get 15% off. Uh, I think she said anything that they had, but uh, check the site for uh, complete details. Black Friday, you gotta love it. Mm. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. Heading on up to Uwari to head up to catch up with uh, Carolina Trails Off-Road. They're having their fall finale that I've kind of invited myself to. Hey, this is Nikki G, and uh, we're just getting ready to head to Uwari with uh, Wendy. Wendy, how's the field driving with the sexiest man alive? Did you wash your hands? Maybe. Does it matter? Hey, this is Nikki G, and I'm here with the Carolina Trails Off-Road and Brian. Brian, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. Uh, probably going to be a little slick, but we're going to manage. All right. What trails are we going to hit today? We'll probably run up Dickie Bell first because it'll dry out for the trails, and then we might get some fried chicken and go up Dutch John so we can't power up that. All right. Sounds good. All right. I'll see you out there. All right. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Just ran into Brian from Route 16. How's it going today, Brian? Where's my money, Nikki? Uh, I'm going to go over here now. I'm here with uh, Gretchen now. Gretchen, how's the day going? Okay, I think it was a little, frig- uh, little to- uh, cold last night, but we survived. Right. And I will not put every shining order on you. <laughs> right, thanks. You're the first. <laughs> so, Dickie Bell, we meet again. I'm at the first obstacle on Dickie Bell, which is a, a two-foot vertical wall of mud which uh, everybody seems to be going over it no problem except for me they're they're hooking up a toe strap now I got Amba I'd like to thank uh, Carolina Trails Off-Road for uh, inviting me along and putting up with me if you're ever out in the Carolina way look them up uh, you won't be sorry they treat everybody like family alright boys and girls you have a good one Chat at you later. Hey, coming up next week, we'll be talking with Tom from Jeep Tech. That's T E C K. And you can find out what's going on uh, with uh, Jeep Tech by checking out their uh, Facebook uh, page. Just uh, do a search for Jeep Tech and uh, tell them the Jeep Talk Show sent you.
Do you have a need? A need for speed? Maybe your license plate holder says Top Gun or your CB handle is Maverick. Maybe you've added a Goose Was Here sticker to your cracked windshield. <laughs> well, if you haven't gotten the movie reference yet, then I don't, I don't know what to tell you. But if you want to give a bit of a fighter jet appeal to your Jeep, or at least add a surefire conversation starter, then this is an item that you must have. And for less than $13 shipped, you can have an authentic fighter jet style pull to eject label to put on your seat recline handle. That's right, the unmistakable yellow and black ejection handle that we all know all too well from those scenes in various movies well, can now be added to the seat handle of your Jeep. Anytime you open the door or somebody gets in and out of your Jeep, they will undoubtedly see the pull to eject handle and perhaps think twice about getting in or at least think twice about you know, maybe adjusting your seat for you <laughs> uh they are uh, the kit comes with both driver and passenger side they do have jku models uh, as well uh printed on automotive grade stock and they have uv protection on them so these are sure to last quite a long time and of course we'll have the link to this uh, in the show notes for this episode now, I have one of these, and it has no. come in handy so many times when I've needed to eject from my Jeep. No, seriously, my son was getting out of, my oldest was getting out of the Jeep, and he, I've had this sticker in my Jeep for, I don't know, months, maybe even a year, hmm. and he just noticed it a couple of weeks ago, and he looks at me, and he's like, really, mom? And he rolled his eyes. <laughs> it's hard having a cool parent, you know? I know. Oh, he just great. rolled his eyes at me. <laughs> and if if everybody doesn't remember uh her son drives a pm a bmw so there you go well now that you guys must have your very own pull to eject handle for your jeep seats we'll make it easy for you just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the link in the show notes for episode 360 well i, got, I brought my shotgun anybody seen any turkeys out here <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was just going to make that sound. I thought, well, I thought that was you. Where'd it come from? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I did have the Jeep out uh, this last weekend. I uh, took it out uh, towards Mount Hood out on Highway 26. The uh, NRA and uh, the Oregon Department of Forestry recently teamed up on a, uh, on a project they've been working on for the last, well, several months. You know how uh, government projects go. They usually <laughs> uh, red tape and they, things go pretty slowly. But this one moved along relatively well. And uh, what they were doing was the NRA uh, provided the Oregon Department of Forestry a, a nice little chunk of change for them to build a new shooting range out in the Mount Hood National Forest. And uh, this is uh, something not extravagant. And when you think of shooting range, you think of, okay, the big, long benches and the really long. No, this isn't like that. These are actually lanes. Uh, and so really, it's just meant for individual parties or individual people uh, to come out and out in the wilderness and do some target shooting and whatnot. And they've set up, uh, I think, three new lanes to the additional uh, one or two that were already there. Uh, brand new Jersey barriers, berms. They've dug them all, dug them all in. Very nicely done. Got a chance to get the Jeep out there. And these are only accessible by four-wheel drive vehicles. That's the other thing that the NRA 
but in the stipulation was like, these cannot be accessed by just anybody. We want to make these special. We want to make it so that you can only get to them with four-wheel drive vehicles, and that's exactly what they have done. Now, um, when I say four-wheel drive vehicles, I mean anything with four-wheel drive, but not a Subaru. Obviously, um, you're going to have a little bit more uh, ground clearance than that to get up, uh, get up into some of these areas. But if, it's not like rock crawling or anything like that. Uh, but this was pretty cool. Got a chance to check it out. Brand spanking new. I mean, there was only a handful of brass on the ground. When we got out there. We were probably uh, maybe the second or third party to shoot out on this brand spanking new lane. So it was, it was pretty cool. They had a 25 and a 50 yard lane set up where we were at. I uh, got a chance to get out there and throw some lead downrange, had a lot of fun, and got the uh, got to put the Jeep in four-wheel drive a little bit, so I uh, had a good time. Good Lord, Josh. That, you know, the Subaru thing was just horrible. It, in my head, it was like, anybody with a bicycle can go, but not <laughs> you, Billy. Yeah, not, <laughs> <laughs> not you, Billy. You, no, know, no, no. you know why. You can't come. We don't want you there. <laughs> No, there was uh, there was somebody out there with uh, I was like a Mitsubishi Endeavor or something like that. I mean, it was it was you know like their car SUV, and they yeah. were having a heck of a time uh, getting out. And uh, I, I'm I Why? wouldn't be surprised if they because uh, what what it is is it's it's a relatively decent amount of elevation change. So the 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 roadway that goes from the main logging road um, once you get off the freeway. Uh, you take this logging road up into the up in the hills a little bit, um, and then there's a there's a, a diversion off to one side. You take that you take that fork, and once you once you get off of the main logging road, it's it's instantaneous. I mean, the gravel goes from just gravel to rocks, and it's you know there there's no rock that is you know under six or seven inches you know big, and right. it's very large chunky rocks. Um, you can't get there with a car. It, it's just you know there's going to be too much. Um, moving around underneath the vehicle. The vehicle is going to be moving around too much on the rocks. There's uh, very jagged, nasty-looking rocks out there. This this is not just, you know, like the gravel you see um, in, in, in a parking lot or something like that. This is, you know... The kind of stuff, the kind of stuff you see on the side of mountains, type of gravel. So this is, yeah, nothing that you want to take a car onto. And they had, you know, what is, uh, for all intents and purposes, a minivan uh, up there, and uh, you could just yeah. hear it banging <laughs> on the rocks. And I could tell that, oh man, they do not have the tires for this. Thank goodness there was no rain, because uh, if the, if that had been, you know, wet or muddy at all, likely I would have been doing some serious recovery and shuttling these people down the mountain. Uh, but as it was, they were able to more or less make it out on their own power. Josh would have been going, no, 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 no. Don't do (laughs) this again. Probably shouldn't have come up here, huh? I'll I'll teach you. (laughs) Was it even a four-wheel drive? I don't think that theirs was, no. I I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't even see all-wheel drive uh, anywhere on it, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, uh, I don't know, they didn't read or uh, they didn't care. Well, here's the thing, is that there really wasn't any sort of um, there wasn't any literature out. There wasn't any sort of advertising or marketing about this. Is all word of mouth type of thing. And uh, you know, buddy of a buddy of a friend of a you know acquaintance sort of uh, heard the grapevine that this thing was going on. So I did a little bit of research, found out about it. Oh, this is where it's at. All right, let's go. Um, and then once you got up there, it was oh, well, well, it's a good thing we didn't bring the car. You know, <laughs> that, that sort of thing. So. Yeah, it that's was, really uh, cool. That is really cool. Did you, did you take any pictures? I, I, I took one small video uh, of a buddy of mine um, and uh, and a couple of pictures. We we went up there in the afternoon. Um, we're kind of 
some timing didn't quite work out. We ended up getting up there about three hours later than we had initially planned on. Uh, and so we really only had about an hour and a half, two hours of daylight. Uh, so by the time we got everything uh, set up and, and, and we got a, you know, a few magazines through and, and all that, um, you know, checking out some of our shots. I mean, it was already starting to get dark before I started taking pictures. So You, you need uh, to take some pictures because, you know, there's nothing better than Jeeps and guns with the exception oh, yeah. of Jeeps, guns, and sex. But don't take pictures of that. Just take pictures of the, the Jeeps no, and the guns. It's, it's got to be PG-30. got to be able to post it on Facebook. So. Kind of reminds me yeah. of Shauna's uh, website, I mean, her Instagram account. Oh, right. <laughs> it's yeah. all, all three of those things. When she said that, I was like, oh, well, okay, all right. Uh, oh, let me go check it out. Uh, I like the but, articles. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's, it, was, it was good. It was a good time. So I'm um, definitely going to get out there uh, maybe even as early as, uh, again, as, as this weekend. Um, but it was it was just such a nice facility, what they have done out there. Uh, it was just nice to to experience that and, and, to, uh, and to be able to check it out, at, you know, as early in its life uh, as, uh, as, it, as it was. So like I said, only being like probably the second or third group out there to shoot up this lane. So it was, it was awesome. I think they ought to have more things, not just gun stuff, but they ought to have more things that are uh, off-road only. Uh, off-road capable uh, vehicles only, you know, with some, well, here, some lift here's and some the ground thing, is that the, it's, it's gated access, so it, it looks to me as if this is a, a, a pilot program, as if the NRA is going to be like, all right, we're going to do this for you, and if you can keep the riffraff out and keep it maintained and, you know, do a good job with this, maybe we'll do more of these, you mm-hmm. know, type of thing. That That's kind of the vibe I got from the signage that was up there and the way that they have everything built and, and sort of, and the way the access is set up, um, that they, they kind of want to control this. So, sure. uh, more power to them. I mean, hey, you know, all, all the better if we, if we have more of these in the future. Uh, and if that means they have to be closed for half the year so that we can do that, well, then so be it. Uh, but I, I just thought this was uh, this was really cool, and the fact that the the NRA worked with the Oregon Department of Forestry to make this happen, I just thought was was cool unto itself, being a joint venture. Great story. I like that story. So um, I, I promised myself I wasn't going to talk about rust this show, but I'm going <laughs> to. Um, I'm just going to be able I, to, whenever I stop talking about it, my Jeep overheating. And you complain, I'm going to go, rust, I know, rust, I know. <laughs> one word, I know. rust, Tammy. <laughs> Shut um, you down. So I, I posted the video, the how to, um, top five steps, how to remove the rust, and I used the product POR15. Well, the company POR15 reached out to me. And, and the cease they, and desist letter goes like this. <laughs> Thank you, but no, no, I'm sorry. And they said, we have a new product that's in purple. They, um, I wish. <laughs> They they said if I need any help, just call a, or you know just reach out to them and stuff. And so what I'm hoping to do is to be able to get some products for them to do a giveaway for other folks who may need to be using their product. And yeah. uh, I'll keep you guys posted, and maybe we can do some giveaways with some POR15 for all those folks with rust on their frames and bumpers. And I haven't what checked have the calendar recently. Is there an interview scheduled with? Uh, and oh, you know what thank you i don't know why i didn't even think of that Duh. okay i'll make myself a note right now i will see if they want to talk because it would be really interesting to hear um, i want to know about poor about the por 14 well, what happened there yeah i don't know <laughs> i'm going to do that i'm writing myself a note the old wd-39 joke yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I've had some uh, some good times uh, <laughs> today. 
I, uh, I had to uh, uh, build a little uh, a piece of, uh, we have a, a portable air conditioner unit and I had to, it didn't come, it was a givey, uh, a giveaway type thing, not a giveaway, a freebie. And hmm. it didn't come with a little in the window thing so that you could, you know, run the, uh, the exhaust hose to your window oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. close the window partially down. Mm-hmm. So I ordered a, um, I don't know, the thing you can cut a circle with, uh, adapter for a, a Dremel. So I was out there. I went and got me some. Uh, is it MDF? Is it, uh, uh, you know, the, the stuff, stuff you make speaker boxes out of? Yeah, I was just going to say the stuff you make speaker boxes out of. Yeah, that's MDF, medium density fiberboard. Fiberboard. I was thinking the F was foam. That's why I was c- confused because oh. I know it's wood. <laughs> nope. Yeah. <laughs> it is those wood, are yeah. my those are my son's initials. So I'm like, what? MDF. Uh, what, that makes it confusing. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, I got a two by four sheet of uh, MDF uh, Monday, and uh, I was going to get out there in the garage and uh, you know build me a little thing today. And I got that got that stuff out and cut me a hole uh, for the uh, the exhaust vent on the uh, the portable AC unit. And I said, you know, I got all this stuff out. I've got enough wood. I think it's time to pull out Project Thumper. Now, this is yeah. from a long time ago. Long time ago. Oh, you remember? Holy cow! Yeah, I remember this. We we went we went. You and I did a, a fair amount of research and back and forth about this whole idea. Um, if 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 this is what I am thinking of, it if, is. If, if if it is the the uh, the project of, of which I am thinking of, then then yes, that's. Uh, so if you guys uh, don't don't remember, some uh, emergency <laughs> vehicles were having problems getting people to pull over because they had their stereos on full blast, or maybe they had the Jeep talk show on full blast, and they couldn't hear the the sirens. So they came up with this idea of uh, 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 I think they actually called it the thumper, and it just basically is a bass speaker, like a, a big woofer box that they have mounted on the emergency vehicle and they play this bass heavy uh, noise uh, and they can, the, the occupant in the in front of them can feel it. And then they, well, it's they directional look around too, I believe it, it's, it's so it, they've, they've got it designed to where the, the sound waves project primarily forward right uh, out of these. And it, it is, it's very low frequency, but it's high intensity um, so we're talking, uh, you know, very low, low um, hertz range, but very high amplitude and, 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 and decibel level uh, so that you're going to feel this more than you're going to hear it. Right. And that's the whole point is uh, so get people to look up and uh, get off the damn phone and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought it'd be really cool to have one of these. And I think I looked it up and they wanted like fifteen hundred dollars or something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah, I said, well, screw like that. that. Yeah. Right. So I said, I, I'm going to try making me one. So. Uh, I got a, uh, I figured uh, uh, eight inch, uh, uh, an eight inch tube, and I knew where I was going to find an eight inch tube, a, a seven inch uh, uh, a speaker uh, subwoofer, and um, I would need some way of mounting the speaker in there. So today with that MDF, I made me a ring that would fit in the eight inch tube, and I did find an eight inch tube uh, eventually by wandering aimlessly in a, uh, a Lowe's, it's like a Home Depot if you don't have one in your area. Uh, and I and I saw that they had some concrete uh, pillars where you could pour the concrete pillars, and they came yeah, the in pillar fo- uh, forms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they came in various uh, diameters. Well, they had one that was eight inches. I really wanted one that was seven inches because that would fit the speaker better. But eight inches was as close as I could get. Uh, and uh, it was very uh, eight inches was very reminiscent for me. Has special meaning. So I went ahead and got that one. So anyway, today I cut the cut out the MDF, made the ring, mounted the speaker. And mounted it inside the tube. Now, I don't know anything about building, you know, the subwoofers. Uh, so I've I've got to look up some stuff online. 
but I'm going to power it with a 100-watt uh, amplifier and uh, see what that does for me. But I think it'll be a lot of fun because I, yeah, I know. Uh, but the 100-watt was pretty cheap. It was, it was worth uh, playing around with. And it just dawned on me that I could actually tie this into the, uh, the Jeep Pi. So I can actually have the, I can do lighting patterns and bass. Is this the raspberry thing? Yes, it is. Oh, uh, gosh. I can actually do lighting patterns and uh, the Thumper, Project Thumper, at the same time. <laughs> what do you think, Josh? I need 1,000 watts? You're going to need a lot more than that, but um, there, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of, of audio dynamics that goes behind a project like this um, that if, unless you really know the principles of acoustics and, and how sound waves work and, and sound pressure level is created and stuff, um, you're going to have a hard time creating the effect that you want. Um, the other aspect of this is... is Aren't you a Debbie you know, <laughs> well, you know, you're, you're going to need your, you're going to need a proper tone generator as well, and, and that's that's going to be a, a probably code that you're going to end up writing, or possibly even um, I can create anything in, in the audio editor that I use to edit the show and use various MP3 files uh, on the Raspberry Pi to output uh, well, from the to the audio device to the amplifier. You're looking for for specific modulation, specific amplitude of a specific frequency. Um, there's probably going to be some harmonics in there a little bit involved, but at that low level uh, of, you know, in the Hertz range, it's going to be kind of hard to duplicate that with a single driver. I was just going to um, add a lot of bass to Tammy's F-bombs and play that. Uh, yeah, here's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, with, with the travel of frequency and all that sort of stuff, I mean, you look at, you know, these guys, they, they've got multiple 15-inch subwoofers in the back of their vehicle powered by, oh, yeah. you know, thousand plus watt amplifiers and you can hear them you know coming about a block away an eight inch sub in a plexiglass tube is not going to cut it um you're going to get an effect it's going to produce something that you're going to feel but once you get out onto the road and you get road, road vibrations and, and everything else that goes along with that the ambient ambient decibel level of driving a vehicle like a lifted jeep down the road you're going to find that your 100 watts in that 8-inch tube is going to disappear like that. Did, did I mention um, it was going to be on the outside of the Jeep? It's even <laughs> even more so. Uh, so, um, it, it, it's an awesome, well, we'll, fun we'll, little project. We'll see. But we'll, you're going to be then, running into is, a lot of hurdles along the way. And this is part of the fun of, uh, of trying it, it out. And for, uh, gosh, it was like 100 bucks probably for, for all the stuff. I mean, you know, I put a, I put a fair amount of time into it today. Uh, hey, if nothing else, you just made yourself one heck of an upgrade to your home theater system. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> I just now, now I have to find out something uh, that I can put on the, uh, the, the, the fiberglass, I'm not fiberglass, the cardboard tube uh, that I'm using for the form, uh, something that I can put on there to waterproof it. I need you something to cover fiberglass. the I need to cover something on the cover the front uh, and the back. And, uh, you know, so nothing gets in there. Um, use, so use fiberglass resin. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to use that. I'm going to use something that's plastic. Uh, I wish I, they, I wish they made uh, heat shrinkable tubing that size. Well, no, I mean, you just, you just, you just mix it up. It's part A and part B and, uh, you put it on with a paintbrush and now you suddenly have a weatherproof coating that is also airtight. Okay. So I'm nice. working. So I'm working on that, and uh, I just got a couple more things to do to the Jeep Pi. Uh, I just need to fix it where it will uh, 
uh, boot up with, uh, with power from the Jeep and uh, shut down when power is removed. So um, things are looking pretty good. Uh, just need to get, to, oh, I also need to do, uh, come up with some different buttons. Only all the buttons that I have are all uh, uh, lights that say lights. I need to come up with some other buttons that say other things. Now, it uh, looks like the, um, the, the screenshot that I've seen from, uh, from this project of yours here is those buttons needed to be clicked on. Uh, do you have a touch screen or is there a mouse somewhere floating in the, in the, in the Jeep that you're going to be using to activate this? Or how does that all? Do you remember when I was doing the APRS? Uh, had the, uh, the touch screen in the Jeep? I don't remember a touchscreen. I yeah, remember yeah, the APRS it's a, project, but I don't. I don't remember there being a touchscreen. So I don't I, think I, I ever showed anything that was uh, that I was touching it. Uh, so yeah, it's a. I have a seven-inch seven touchscreen. Oh. That thing that you oh, saw is a touchscreen. So there will ah. be no. There'll be. There will be no mouse. <laughs> ah, very well, good. I, don't, I, I don't get what you mean by you need to find new buttons. Uh, the the buttons like that the I have physical? In, the buttons in the video that uh, that are on the site uh, that I that I shared up on the site a few uh, episodes back. Uh, all the buttons there for that I was just testing all say uh, lights or something. Uh, they're labeled with lights, and and the buttons that I'm going to be using are you know different lights, or it could be uh, other things because there was uh, I have eight relays, so potentially it could be eight different things, not just lights. Oh, so you need to find things to put in these buttons. I need to create um, different buttons because all the ones I have are all labeled the same. So I need to go inside. Uh, my uh, my photo editor and change the names of the things so that it'll fit what the buttons actually do. Oh, you're this is like so the buttons do stuff. You just need to. Yeah, I just and I want uh, I want to make them different colors so that you can tell just by glancing at it. Uh, that you know this like the red ones do this. This is grouped for various things. I'm not sure I'm going to trust uh, winch control the soft buttons because I'd mm. hate to be in a situation where the Raspberry yeah. Pi locks up and the. <laughs> and the well, winch is pulling not just and pulling that, and pulling. You know, <laughs> if if there's any kind of delay, you know, if you've got you know a right. half a second delay on on that, that that could, eh, I don't know. Now, so I, yeah, I, I was thinking, I was thinking you were though. you were trying to look for something other than that. You know, typical carling switch, that carling rocker switch image. I don't know if you were you know trying to trying to find some you know uh, toggle switch images or you know something like that but no, no you're, I like you're talking the, about just going in and renaming the switches that are there exactly and, and, gotcha. and group them on, uh, with different colors like yeah. the 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 air lockers they are be air lockers uh, traditionally are blue i may keep them blue and make the lights a different color and i, I certainly go. want to call it uh the different lights uh right now i just know uh, my, on my overhead switches i just know which which switch does what but it'd be nice that on the screen it actually said, you know, like uh, center spot, uh, overhead uh, spot. Uh, the other one would be like, um, uh, I don't know, uh, flood uh, side floods or something. And then there's the mm -hmm. rear light that uh, the, the 20-inch rear light that I have is, is another spot. So it'd be nice to actually be able to look at that screen and see uh, what they are. Now, I do have an idea of coming up with a diagram of the Jeep that will actually show you uh, in a small little uh cartoonish drawing type thing the front of the jeep and which lights are coming on so i don't know uh, it's a seven inch touchscreen. i don't know how much shop will be able to put on that little bitty screen um that uh and, and it still have it be meaningful but it's a fun project heck yeah man i can't wait so to see not, it uh, see it all finished up so not all your buttons are going to be red I don't think so. Uh, Thank God. That, that gets kind of confusing, and uh, you know, it'd be nice to group them group them in by color. Like I, I having the air compressor turn on and off, uh, that would be a, a good one uh, that that I could use that to uh, get the air compressor going. 
Uh, I could actually uh, tie this into the uh, into the air horn whenever I get it installed. So I could actually have uh, do a uh, shock and awe where the air horn goes off and all the lights go off for for half a second. Yeah, an air start, horn. Start collecting your money now for for bail. <laughs> an air horn. Oh, I got an air like, horn. You know about the air horn? Like the big thing that you do at like a sports game? No, like the. <laughs> Like the yeah. thing, like the like the thing that's on eighteen wheelers. This isn't something that you hold. This is something that's mounted to the uh, underside of the jeep and uh, attached to a air tank. So basically, like a train horn. Yeah. Was well, you know, I did like not know you had that. Have oh I? really? Oh gee, uh, Josh knows about it from way oh, back yeah. when it was the XJ talk oh, show. Yeah, he's been. Yeah. <laughs> he's had that for like five years and just needs to get put in. I yeah. Like my long arm kit, I've had it for like four years. It's <laughs> just waiting to get put in, you know. <laughs> so anyway, made some progress on that today. I'm Actually, scare the crap out of someone driving down the road. Well, if they're, if they're the in the passing lane and they're yeah, on their phone, going twenty, you're gonna merge onto the freeway at thirty-five miles an hour. You're gonna get 160 decibels of air blast <laughs> behind you. I give a flying f. You do not merge onto the freeway at 35, 40 miles an hour. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you stay in your shorts. Yep. It's, it's gonna least. be it's gonna be a death wobble light is basically what it's gonna be. <laughs> well, hey, you guys want to join in on the campfire side chat? Pull up a chair, crack a beer. We'd love to have you. Just go over to jeeptalkshow.com/slash/contact and find out all the ways you can reach out to us. Hey, now let's get into some events from around the world and maybe even in your neck of the woods. And let us know about your event. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, click and fill out our wheeling wear form, and we'll get it out here on the air. Got the Durhamtown Off-Road Resort presenting the second annual Jeep Sember 2018 event, happening December 6th at the Durhamtown Off-Road Resort in Union Point, Georgia. And we have Quadratech hosting their, their big Jeeps and Java event. This is happening December 2nd. Uh, at the Spruce Grove Tree Farm just outside of Oxford, Pennsylvania. Uh, for more information on these events or any of the events we've ever talked about, well, just visit the JeepTalkShow.com website for this episode or any of the others, and we'll have some links in there for you to click on. That's it for this week, guys. Since you're half asleep in a turkey coma pretending you want to be at the in-laws anyways, be sure to like, friend, and, uh, well, check us out on Facebook while you're there. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. So I turned to my friend and I said, well, it's going to be that kind of party and I'm going to stick my shackle in the mashed potatoes. Podcasting since 2010.